Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlos. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We are already midway through December. Can you believe it? It's exciting. So we're going to start off with show notes today. We have our Evening with Medium events coming up for the 2020 year. Tickets are on sale at the website by sarlo.com. You are looking out for April 24th, August 28th, and December 4th. Okay, we have a second podcast show called Sips of Sanity. Those are emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence tools. They're available on the website by sarlo.com. So our very first one in a series of five is free. The remaining four are found at patreon.com slash by sarlo. Kelly has done a wonderful video to show you how to get to Patreon and directly write to those shows for you. So that's going to be up on the website. I wouldn't say directly write to those shows, but when you have access to Patreon, then you'll be able to be kind of walked through how to get there. Okay. Okay. Um, And those shows are about 10 to 12 minutes each. Good. Okay. And then last but not least, we have uh, personal sessions and gift certificates available. You can purchase and experience these from anywhere in the world via Skype, FaceTime, telephone, or Zoom. Good. Yeah. Okay. Today's show. Okay. All right. So, okay. So I'll say yesterday, meaning that on Sunday, I, cause this is Saturday, so we're taping in a different order but I want people to get the gist of what, like how this story came about. Mm -hmm. Um, So on a Sunday, I was by myself in the house and I was just enjoying my own time. But anybody that listens to the show knows that there's no such thing as alone time. When you're a medium and the spirits have full access to you and when you're alone, it's like party time for them (laughs) because no, no human is around to compete for your attention. So as I was cleaning and doing something, I would see a whole little scene play out in front of me. And I would hear, hi, I'm Marv. And I'm like, oh, hi, Marv. And he's like, hi. And he'd show me this wonderful little scene. And it had to do with Christmas. And I thought, what the heck? Is that ever beautiful? So he'd show me something and he'd go, yeah, it's my favorite memory of Christmas. And I was like, oh, that's really nice. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's beautiful. And then I would go on and I was making banana bread. And then I got another story and another situation from a person who passed over. And then you came through the front door. Physically. I was just going to say as a human. (laughs) And you came in and you sat in the living room and you made coffee. Mm -hmm. And I was sweeping or something in the in that area around you. And I said to you, may I ask you a yes or a no? Mm-hmm. And you said, sure. And I thought, I'm going to ask a yes or a no to the spirit guides to see if I could do a podcast on all of the stories that the these dead people have been telling me about Christmas all day. And so I, I asked the question in my head, not out loud to you. And your response was yes. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to continue. So I came downstairs to the desk and I took out a pen and paper, mm-hmm. my podcast book, and I wrote the first two stories that I had received before you came over. And then as the rest of the day went on till I went to bed, 
each time that I was doing something or alone and a, and a, a dead person came in, a spirit came in and would tell me their Christmas story, I'd come back down to the desk and I'd sit and write. So as Eric was working at your computer and you were upstairs reading or napping and Parker was outside barking and all of these different things, I collected these stories through a a, a whole day. Mm -hmm. And so that's what today's podcast is. It's on dead people's favorite Christmas stories. Very cool. And I thought, yeah, I hope so. Like, I really enjoyed my day tremendously. Mm -hmm. So I hope... I hope that other people enjoy the different stories. Mm -hmm. And then I think that people are going to notice that the spirit world had a a method to their madness. Always. (laughs) They had a process here. And I didn't, I did not get that until I was done the last story. And then my spirit guide went through the stories with me and said, write this down in the corner. So I'm going to go through all of that with everybody in the process that I got it. Cool. So they're going to be reliving my day with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I This is fun for me too, because I, I know like if people have been listening for many years, you do the majority of the stories. And I often will say, please don't tell me mm-hmm. because I want to be here as a listener to ask genuine questions. Mm-hmm. I want to have genuine um, reactions to the stories as well. Mm-hmm. So even though you did ask me yes or no's to confirm the validity of the messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have no idea what's coming. Ah, so I, I like get, that. I get Christmas stories. Okay. I wish I had a hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, my very first story is about a gentleman who came through and said his name was Marv. And oh my God, Kelly, I wish I could have married him. Like he just had the, the, he had the energy of somebody with wisdom and just patience. He was just he was so kind. His energy was peaceful. Mm-hmm. And so he came, and I'll say too that he, for me, he was a man probably, if I remember correctly, looking at him. I'd put him like in his 60s or 70s. He had, like, was balding on the top. He had white hair on the side, whitish gray, uh, a little more white than gray. If anybody's thinking salt and pepper, how much? What's the percentage? <laughs> um, he was clean shaven. Um, he had a plaid shirt on and um, blue jeans, and a white undershirt, like underneath it, but you couldn't, like a low one kind of a thing. And anyway, he he's the one that began all of this. And the, the way that it began was that I was in the living room vacuuming, and I turned around because I thought there was somebody in the kitchen, but I knew you and Parker and Eric and Andrew weren't in the house. So I turned around to look at who was in the kitchen, and he was standing in the kitchen, clear as could be, just like a human standing in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And he was doing the dishes. And the crazy thing is, is that like I didn't have any dishes to be done. The kitchen was clean, but he was washing dishes in the kitchen at my sink. And his whole energy about washing dishes was just that it was something he liked to do. He was just taking his time, soaping them up, rinsing them in the hot water. He would look up at me, but he would look up like, like he had such, such a look on his face of complete interest. And then I thought, who's in my kitchen doing dishes? And he goes, I'm Marv. And then as I, as we acknowledged each other, all of a sudden I could see what I assume were his grandchildren moving around the kitchen talking to him. And I said, 
Marv, what are you doing in my kitchen? <laughs> and he goes, well, it's my Christmas memory. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, this is something that I absolutely loved about Christmas. He said was Christmas Day after dinner was done. He said I was married and my wife and I would make the Christmas dinner. He said I, I got into the kitchen like I did the chicken. Oh, maybe it was chicken. And he said like and I, I made the stuffing and she did the vegetables and she changed them up. But I would do the things that I knew to do. I did the, I guess, chicken, the chicken, the gravy, and the stuffing and the potatoes. And my wife would do like the other stuff, the baking. Mm -hmm. He says, but we, we shared things. And he says, and over the years, he says, like, I didn't think I was a good cook. He said, but I learned to be a good cook at certain things. And everybody, everybody liked that, that I could cook really well certain foods. And he said, so you're seeing me in, in my place because I loved preparing Christmas dinner with my wife. This was something we did together. We put our aprons on and he, and I thought, oh, you put your aprons on. I like putting my apron on too. <laughs> he goes, We'd put our aprons on and he says, and we would talk or we would listen to music and we would dance in the kitchen. And he said, so my time with my wife on Christmas day was our time cooking together. Mm -hmm. And he said, we didn't rush it. It was our time. We were a couple. Yep, we had kids and we had grandkids, but we were a couple first. And he says, so this was our time. And then he says, after dinner, he said, my wife would sit with our children at the dining room table or move into the living room and they'd all have a talk. And he says, but that was my time. He said, I would go into the kitchen to do the dishes and he said, at first I did them on my own. And he said, I really enjoyed my alone time and having my wife spend time with the kids. And he said, but as the grandchildren grew and were old enough, they were granted permission to come into the kitchen to do dishes with me. And I would listen to their stories. I would listen to them. I would ask them about their day. I would ask them about what was going on. I would ask them questions and they got to share whatever they wanted with me. But he said, it became um, like a rite of passage that you were privileged to go into the kitchen to do dishes because you got to spend time with grandpa. Hmm. He said, we made it where the children had to earn it and where they had to grow up to come into the kitchen to do that. We didn't make it a punishment or a place to be that nobody wanted to be. We made the kitchen damn fun. And he says, I danced in the kitchen. And I'm like, I dance in the kitchen too. I really like you. And he goes, well, he says, when I danced in the kitchen, he said, the kids would dance with, with me. And we would take our tea towels and we would flick them in the air and we would take them and like, you think of Zumba, eh? Mm -hmm. And he says, we would take them and we would use them as a tool to dance with. He said, it's one of my favorite memories. And he said, because um, I was always a good listener for my family. He said, but Christmas night was just that time where each of the children in the bustle of what was going on on Christmas Day had a time to like calm down. So if there was one particular grandchild that was revved up, that couldn't calm down, then quite often it would be when you calm down, you can go into the kitchen and be with grandpa. 
And he would calm down so that he could get his way into the kitchen and talk to Grandpa. And quite often he might still be a little riled up inside, but calm enough he could get in there. And then Grandpa would say, so, what you feeling over there? What's happening? And he would ask questions. And he would just let their story unravel as to what they were feeling. Mm -hmm. So that was his favorite memory of Christmas. And this is how it began with Marv in the kitchen. And then I just remembered like kind of doing my, my vacuuming and I'd turn around every once in a while and I'd see different people in the kitchen. So he would, it would like, they were showing me that it would change as to who came in and out of the kitchen. And sometimes, you know, the grandkids would be in, but they'd get distracted and come back out. And then one of his daughters would slip into the kitchen. Hey dad, need a hand? And he would just kind of look up like, need to talk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she would kind of go through and say, kind of having problems with my marriage. And then he would be like, okay. And he would just listen. And everybody else would stay out of the kitchen so that they could have a talk. And the rest of the family understood, oh, it's quiet in the kitchen. This is time when dad is being serious with somebody. The grandchildren have to wait and stay out a little bit. And when his daughter would exit, then somebody else could come back into the kitchen. It was almost like his little office space for therapy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that lovely? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And then they just kind of all remember vacuuming and kind of turning around and lifting the cushions off the couch to vacuum because Parker had been up there with a bit of sand on him and stuff. And <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. I slept in that. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh, and then I remember like just kind of like turning around and they're all gone. They weren't in my kitchen anymore. And I just remembered kind of like stopping and thinking, I really liked having Marv around. That was really lovely. His space in my home, his energy in my home added to my house. His, his patience and his love, it was beautiful. And I felt sad when he left. And I and I thought, what a beautiful thing to share with other people. Because I know that for some families, it's so busy, and there they, there may be so many people and so much noise. And there was in this family, but the kitchen after dinner was kind of like okay, we that's designated dad space, and he's got he's got a thing going on over there. <laughs> let let that be, mm-hmm. and we can all benefit from it. And they did. They chose to all benefit from it. Isn't that cool. lovely? Yeah. Like there was just such awareness for the whole family, including all of the grandchildren, to eventually figure out what was happening in that kitchen. Mm-hmm. And how to appropriately be a part of it. Yeah, instead of crashing it and ruining it. Mm-hmm. And, and making sure that it could never happen. Mm-hmm. And, and creating a fight in it or about it. Right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Ready for the next story? I am. Okay, so the next one is Eden. And Eden is a lady who's passed, and she was very old when she passed. I'm going to say close to 100. And the way that she appeared in my house was in the living room, in the white chair. So for any clients that have been here personally, they know the white chair in the living room. It's next to our Christmas tree. Yes, and it's an oversized white chair. Mm -hmm. So she, when I turned around... What was I doing with her? Oh, I was sweeping. So I'm sweeping the floor and I just happened to look up 
and this little old lady is sitting in the white chair. And I looked over at her and I thought, holy crap, who are you? And she goes, I'm Eden. And I said, what are you here for? She says, I have a favorite Christmas story to tell you. And all of a sudden, because I was on the opposite side of the living room from her, I see all of these little children dancing in the living room and she's sitting in the chair. And oh my God, Kelly, they're so cute. They're tiny. They're like two, three years old, right through till about 12 years old. And they're all dancing. And there are some of them that are just willy nilly dancing, like the two year old. And there are some that are like really good. You can tell that they take dance lessons (laughs) and that they have a whole routine going Mm. because everything is like hands on hip, pop out, (laughs) head twist, (laughs) pose. It was just, it was just adorable. And she, she was sitting in the chair and I just looked at all the kids dancing around and thought, this makes me happy. And it's one of your favorite memories too. It is. And she sits in the chair and she watches them. And I think, oh my goodness, is this my own feeling from my own memories or is this her feeling or is this the kid's feeling? Am I through this empathy? Am I feeling all of this? And then I thought, oh, who cares? <laughs> Feel it all. Mine, hers, her grandkids, the memories, everything. Just soak it all in. And so she's sitting there and I hear her make little comments like, that's very cute, sweetheart. And to someone else who's worked very hard at her dance routine, she says, This little pirouette that you did is very, very good. That's very much improved, honey. But then if something kind of goes wrong, she would say, well, that was silly, but not mean. Mm -hmm. Just, oh, that was a silly one. And she'd give a little laugh. And I looked over at her and she goes, you see, I say things to them that's appropriate, not over the top stuff. Okay, um, that that I like that. And she goes, not that, not what you guys do these days, where it's over the top praise for stupid things. She said, I just simply make appropriate statements of encouragement to the kids, but not where they believe that they're going to be in Hollywood someday when they're not. Mm-hmm. I I just say what a grandma should say when you're being silly. That's silly and sweet. That's it. And she says, I don't give them false hope or have them have false beliefs about themselves. I don't collude a reality that isn't, doesn't exist. I'm matter of fact, but kind. And I thought, oh, that's really beautiful. And that's, that was the second one. And then you came in the door and I got my yes, no. And that's when I thought, I wonder if they're giving me messages to give people. So that's when I came downstairs to my desk and I started writing the notes here. Mm-hmm. And she's, and when, specifically, Cal, when she said, I don't praise over the top and inappropriately. So this idea of giving, I guess, like a medal to every single person, I don't know what she meant by that, but I would take it to mean that you acknowledge people's realities. If they're being silly, they're being silly. You don't say they're being perfect when they're being silly Mm -hmm. because it creates confusion. Because their intention was to be silly. And they know they were. So if you're making it something else, now you're the one that's confusing the child. Because of your belief. So she was very calm about it. um, Very kind. 
and I'll say very accurate. That kind of gal. <laughs> yeah. Mine too. Two for two. Um, I liked both their personalities. I liked both their traits and I liked what, what each Eden and Marv wanted to teach. I was enjoying my Sunday morning. Okay, so we'll step into the third story. Mm -hmm. Our next lovely spirit is named Dean, and he's young. This is a young man. I, I, I'd put him at around, and I'm guessing because I didn't ask them their ages, but I'd say young about your age. Oh, thank you. It's like, oh. <laughs> your definition has changed wildly through the years. <laughs> The first indication is when you said you'd like to be married to him, and you're like, yeah, I put him in his 60s or 70s. I was like, oh, yep, that makes sense now. Well, well I, do, I, I mean about character traits, but anyway, okay. Oh. So Dean, let's let's go to Dean. He's young. I put, put him in his early 30s. And he came in and said, so I understand you're talking to dead people about our favorite Christmas stories. And I'm like, and I chose number three. <laughs> what and he goes well I heard on the other side that you're doing favorite Christmas stories and there is a lineup coming in cool and I'm like oh my god that made me so happy I wanted to just freaking burst so I thought boy what else can I do maybe I'll oh I'll go down and do laundry <laughs> so as I'm doing my laundry um Dean's standing in the laundry room with me and he goes Laundry room? I'm not supposed to be in here. We're supposed to be in the kitchen. I'm cooking. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me get my laundry on. I'll go back up into the kitchen. You can tell me your story. He goes, it's okay. I don't really need the kitchen, but that's where my story happens. And he says, my favorite Christmas memory is cooking for others. And he said, it wasn't like Christmas day. It was the whole month of December. He said, my mom and my dad would cook and give things away. They'd give things to the neighbors. They would make a pot of soup. They would put it out like, I don't, like a soup kitchen. He said, like, they would donate their food to families. He said, they just, I don't even know how they found who to give their food to. He said, I, I really don't even know how all of this came about. But it grew and grew in the month of December that mom and dad were cooking more and more. <laughs> and that they gave their food to families. They would put two two chickens on for dinner. They'd make two whole suppers, one for us, and then they would deliver an entire dinner to another family. And he said, and I did not like to cook. I I'd hated cooking. And he said it put me in um like uncomfortable. I, they just had their routine in the kitchen, and I thought I was in the way. And he said, I just, I had anxiety being there. I didn't want to be in it. And he said, and my mom and dad never asked me to. They never thought it was supposed to be something I should do because it's what they picked to do for Christmas. Cool. He said it was just that they picked it. They figured you go find your thing to be of service. Doesn't have to be what ours is. So he said, I went about, Karen, trying to figure out how to be of service to others because that was my parents' point, being of service. Mm -hmm. And he said, so I would go to a rink and shovel the snow. And he says, and I wasn't a skater, but I liked being outside. So I, I didn't own a pair of skates. And he said, but I would go to the rink and I would just clear it off for everybody as often as the snow fell and I could get out there to do it for people. And he said, and eventually 
He said, you know, some of them would say, go get your skates and come back, play, play with us. And he would say, huh, nah. He would never tell them that he didn't know how to skate. He said, I just, I just did it. And he said, and then eventually I realized maybe I could cook something. He says, so one day I watched dad in the kitchen. He says, mom was so efficient and fast, I was intimidated. <laughs> so I watched dad. He was a little clumsier with things. His pots of soup had bigger chunks. <laughs> Mums were all uniformly cut. <laughs> Dads were choppy. <laughs> and he said, and then I realized, geez, they've got two pots of the same soup and they look really different. And dad would look at me and go, yeah, it's my pot. And he goes, and that's your mother's pot. They don't need to be the same. And he went, well, unless you're the kid. <laughs> this doesn't look like mom's. <laughs> yeah. He goes, and I learned in that moment that I just assumed that those pots were the same. Mm -hmm. And that they were like up to a standard or something. He goes, I started to realize, well, mom weren't, dad weren't doing this for that reason. He says, I started to realize, oh my goodness, I don't even have the right intention in my heart. So then he got out his own pot, started chopping it up, but he didn't look at his dad's or the way his mom did it. He just started chopping it his own way. He sliced the carrots the way he wanted them sliced, and he tried all different kinds of ways of slicing. And he finally got to the point where he made his own, and he delivered his own. And he said, so for me, one of my favorite Christmas memories is our acts of service for other people. But he said, I began to realize that over the years, somehow, Karen, I always picked things that put me in a discomfort. He said, I always pushed myself outside of my own comfort zone to do something for someone else. And in the doing so, over decades, or not decades, but like a good decade or two of doing this, he said, I learned a lot about myself and a lot of things that would have always been in my discomfort zone became totally the opposite. I was totally fine. I never became a great cook, but I was totally fine to go in the kitchen and meet my own needs or someone else's and do it. He said, I just, I learned, he says, and it was something that was very good for me in my career. Mm -hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I thought that was really a really neat story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. On to number four. Sure. I, I like what I'm seeing for four. Jamal's story is a beautiful one, and I totally understand why you love it so much. All I can see is books. Yeah. I'm assuming it's going to be great. And Jamal is a person who's crossed over again. It's a young person. And and I'm going to say again, probably mid-30s to late-30s, single. We just upped it. <laughs> this is great. I've got almost a full more decade to be young. <laughs> He's single. And he comes from another country, so he's living far away from all family members. Um, I'm going to say somewhat isolated, but he's a student, so he's, and I hope people heard that, late 30s, and he's yeah. a student. And by choice. Isolated by choice. Well, yeah, because he chooses to go to another country to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And his his favorite memory is um, going into coffee shops on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. and having coffee and coffee and coffee like all day long. But he loves his books. 
So he brings his books and over the years, as he sits in the coffee shop on Christmas Day, he just sits and chats with people because they're more friendly on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. And he ends up in these little book clubs. He ends up meeting people and connecting by telling the stories of what they've read. Mm -hmm. So he would sit and say, so what are you reading? Tell me about what you're reading. What are you enjoying? What's the character plot? He'd, he'd ask people questions. And by asking them the questions, he discovered that he could sit there and connect to them without even knowing them. They would start talking about what they were reading or what type of author. He said the conversations went in so many different ways, but that he always found it exciting he found it intriguing about the story itself, but also just about the person. Because sometimes he'd say things like, oh, do you resonate with that? And he said, you know, through the different Christmases, I learned to ask better questions so that I could get to know these people. So that that's another Christmas memory mm -hmm. for somebody. And, and I thought that was lovely too, because... Jamal is saying that Christmas is about connecting and that he, like, I never heard him say, I cried, I was depressed. I never heard him say, I sat and, and I, I missed my family. This was hard. He was simply saying, this is what I've got and I've chosen this. So what would I like to do with it? And what do I enjoy? And how could I connect to others? Well, I like coffee. I like books and I can connect through those. He made it very simple. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm hoping that if somebody's listening to this thinking, wow, I have my family, but I don't really connect to them. Maybe I could head to Twigs. <laughs> Maybe I could head to a Tim Hortons or my, my favorite coffee shop on Christmas or any time and do the same thing. What am I waiting for? Jamal wasn't waiting for a family. He wasn't waiting for that perfect partner or the love of his life and then to have children. He wasn't waiting for the traditional Christmas story. Well, it also doesn't sound like he was trying to make it fit either. Like he wasn't trying to desperately jam a relationship. Yeah. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about readers is that you're opened up to worlds that aren't aren't here on earth, right? Mm -hmm. um, or you time travel as many people no. And so you, you are opened up to imagination, mm -hmm. but you're also opened up to empathy. So when you are a reader of any kind, you become more curious. And so it's easier to connect to people because there's so much more to be curious about. Mm -hmm. And we forget those things when we don't read. Mm -hmm. Thank you for adding all of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to go on to our fifth story. Yeah. Max is our fifth story, Maxine. So we call her Max for short. So she shows up when I'm in the washroom. Normal. Yes. <laughs> I'm just sitting on the toilet and Maxine shows up and she says, hey, I'm Max, my favorite story. And she just starts telling me. And I look up at her and she goes, well, what? I was next in line. <laughs> I said, I'm in the washroom. You're like Santa. <laughs> You're like Santa and all the kids are just lining up, except there's no weird elf to escort them. <laughs> Thanks, Kelly. Um, so Max says to me, her favorite story um, goes right back to her childhood. And she says, you know, my parents didn't have anything. 
She said, we didn't, we didn't have money. She says, so what we did as like when we were children with our parents were acts of service and we did them for each other. And sometimes, you know, we would do them for somebody else and dad would say that was our Christmas. It didn't have to be that we did acts of service just for each other. She goes, but she goes, I want to tell you the story of one in particular. So she shows me, it's almost like, like you said, like in Jamal's story of reading a book, she shows me a time in the winter where they're like, they live like out, like I'll say out in the bush or on a farm. And I can see her with her father going from cottage, like from, from home to home. And they look like cottages. And she says her mom would go to one particular cottage all year long on Saturdays and she would clean. And I thought, oh, your mother was a cleaning lady. And she goes, no. She goes, my mother wasn't a cleaning lady. She says, my mother raised all of us. She worked on, the, on our own farm. And I said, well, you're showing me that she was cleaning. She goes, well, yes. She came to this house for this man and wife. And the wife, I, and I don't know the story of what happened to her, but they, I get to see that she's in a wheelchair. And her mom goes there each Saturday morning to do all of her housework because the, the husband can't, he's, he's out, he's working. This is seven days a week work. He can't come in and start cleaning. So he's out in the fields and there's lots of horses. Um, so I'm just going to assume it's a horse ranch because that's what he's doing all day. And I see that while her mother goes over there, she talks to this lady and they become friends. And it starts off as that she's coming in to do all of her cleaning. So she just literally, she like, I won't say she vacuums, but she sweeps. She does all of the dishes. She's doing laundry by hand. Like she's doing all of these things. And she's there, you know, like half an hour or pardon me, half a day. And in return for this, this is her Christmas present from her mom. Um, she gets to have horse lessons. She gets to learn to ride a horse. So they barter. Yes. And she shows me that as a young girl, she goes over there and so she's learning to ride. And then eventually this man keeps her longer and she learns to brush out the horse. She learns to clean them. She has to clean the stall and it gets longer and longer. But as the days, as that Saturday goes into more hours, they have to get up earlier to get there <laughs> because her mother has all her chores to do back at home. But her mother has to take her there, so she's there longer. And as she's there longer, she visits with this lady. And she, this other lady sews, and she does things that she can for her own living. So she sews, and she knits, and she makes things like crocheting, and she sells these things. And so her mother takes all of the stuff and brings it into town for her. Hmm. So there's all of these ways of helping each other. And then she goes, oh, no, wait, the best present ever is coming. And I said, okay, Max, what is it? After, oh, I'm going to say probably 10 to 15 years of doing this, this gentleman and his wife gift her with one of the horses. Wow. So she, they feel that it's far too much. The value of the horse is far too much. Mm -hmm. And so they refuse it at first. 
but then come to realize that this man and his wife have made more and more of a living because their mother or her mom, mm-hmm. Maxine's mom, has taken all of the things into town mm-hmm. and has given this woman a way to make a living and support herself. Beautiful. So here she is, an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I think what a beautiful story that is about how out of necessity, Christmas gifts occur. But through that, jobs develop. Mm -hmm. Careers begin. Being sustainable to make a living occurs. Like there are so many things in that one. Mm -hmm. So I I really liked Maxine's story too. And now I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't know which one I like the most. So I'm running back down to my desk again. (laughs) And it's getting dark out now because, you know, it's time of the year. And I'm writing out another story. You ready for the next story? Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a gentleman named Everett. And he comes in and the energy is so different for him compared to all the other stories. And he said, I don't even know how to explain to you about my favorite Christmases. He said, one of them is, well, here, look. And so I just look. And he shows me being a little kid. And I said, how old are you? He goes, I'd be seven. I said, well, what is it about this Christmas that you like? He said, well, because I was spending it with my friend. And I said, your friend? And he goes, yeah. He said, I was seven years old and I spent this Christmas with a friend and his family. And they had presents. And they treated me like they treated the rest of their family. He said, I thought I wasn't going to have any presents, but or I thought that they buy, might buy me one and that I would sit and watch my friend and his siblings open a whole bunch of gifts. But I opened as many as them. And he said, and then there were stockings. And I had never had that. And he said, and I sat back and thought, oh, here it comes. Here it is. Here's where I'm different, where I'm, I'm the poor child. And he said, and I went over and he says, and I stood back a little bit thinking this will be it. This will be the separation point where I am not part of their family. And there was a stocking for me. And he said, and I looked over at my friend opening up his little kinder surprise and all of these things. I got one. He oh, said, this makes me want to cry. He said, they got socks. Oh, you're going to ball. He said, they got, they got socks in their stocking. I got socks. They got bubble gum. He goes, I got gum. He goes, I, oh, I, I want to cry. He goes, I got everything. Oh, I'm going to cry. He goes, I got everything they got. I don't know if I can get through this one. No, well, you're gonna. I said, was that your favorite Christmas? And he goes, well, yeah. And he goes, and I had another one, but it's really weird. And I said, okay. He goes, my other favorite Christmas was when I was eight. And I said, how come? And he goes, it was the Christmas. He says that my alcoholic father forced me to drink. He said it was my first Christmas of being an alcoholic. I said, you were eight? 
And he goes, yeah, my, my dad made me drink with him. He says, and my alcoholism started at eight. And he says, but it was the first Christmas that I felt that my dad loved me because he shared his alcohol with me. And he says, so I'm showing you, I had this little window of opportunity to know what it was to be normal. And the very next Christmas, it was taken away by my dad. And he said, but I, I, I want you to hear, he says that I did okay. He said, I drank and was an alcoholic till I hit my 20s. And he says, and then I, I got into rehab. And he said, Karen, and I, I was okay. He says, I stuck with rehab. He said, thanks to my mom. He says, and to a brother. He says, that um, loved and cared for me. He says, and I, and I came out of all that. And he said, so if you turn around and look at me now, he says, you will see that I did die an older man. And he said, and that I spent most of my life not an alcoholic. But he said, I wanted this to be part of your story. I pushed my way to a little bit more of the front of the line here. Because you'll have people who are listening to this and listening to your story about Jamal and other people who had fairly normal um, Christmases. And he said, and I just thought that, that there are a lot of people who have alcohol as part of their Christmas. And that's their norm. Um, and that dysfunction is part of it too. And he said, so he says, um, they let me through. And he said, I, I thank you for letting me share my story and for being here. And I just remembered um, really wanting to cry. And I came down to my desk and I wrote the story and Eric was sitting beside behind me on your computer just trying to fix our computers for us so that we could do these podcasts for people. He spent the whole afternoon doing this, almost his whole day. And I just thought how much some people, like Eric, do things that are healthy out of love. And he was sitting right at my back, you know, back to back in the office. And how other people don't have a healthy bone in their body or thought or habit or behavior and don't know how to, how to, how to, how to love. I didn't feel angry with his dad. I just assumed that his dad was, that, was hurting that much. Or why would you do that to an, an eight-year-old boy? Um, maybe his father did it to him too. I, d I didn't get all of the answers. I just thought it was another it, it was another story, and I wanted to be respectful of Everett. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Our last story. Our last story is of Sam, and Sam. Sam came in almost like right behind Everett did and said, okay, I have, an, I have your last one of the day. And I thought, wow, these are, this is a lot. I don't know that I'm going to get all of this in one show. He goes, oh, you're going to get it in. <laughs> I said, okay. So Sam tells me his, his favorite story is of him and his dad and how they drove and delivered Christmas trees. <laughs> they lived on a huge piece of property and they lived in a time where it was very difficult to get by. So 
they would put all kinds of trees into the back of their truck and they would go from home to home and deliver trees. And he said, you know, I remember doing this and my dad and I would get out or sometimes I'd get out, sometimes dad would, depending on the size of the tree. And sometimes we'd both get out and we'd put, somebody would order three trees and they might have them outside on their yard. And he said, and sometimes we would get there and somebody, the husband would have died and the widow would say, I'd still like my three trees, but my husband has passed and I don't have anyone to light them, to put the lights this year on them. So then they put a ladder in their truck (laughs) and now they had to put up lights on the trees for some of the people. And then as times would change, she might, somebody might say, I I don't have enough money for a tree. And he would say, oh, that's okay. Your neighbor over there paid for it. So he figured out how to charge for the trees (laughs) so that some people were paying for other people's trees. Okay. So they, they figured out that some of the people in the community had money. And so they might charge them a little bit more for the tree. And in almost like how taxes should work. <laughs> okay. That's true. I could agree with you on that. And everybody got a tree. There was nobody that was refused. He said there was not a single home that they missed. Wow. And that they would literally go up and down the country roads and stop at every single home. Now, some of them were going to cut down their own trees. That was fine. Some of them might say, I cut down a couple of trees for you. Take the trees. So they would put a couple more trees in. And he said that this was one of his favorite memories because it was about giving. And he said that sometimes we would show up at a house and all of a sudden someone would say, I can't afford the tree this year but I baked you some bread. Here are three loaves. And so they would take the three loaves and he might think they'd go to another house and they'd see another man with maybe his, you know, his wife was ill or they didn't have enough money. And he'd go, oh, they could use the three loaves. Mm -hmm. So he said it was always an interesting thing to see what got exchanged Mm -hmm. on the route and what dad and I actually got home with. Mm And he goes, sometimes we'd sit and we'd, there'd be three loaves of bread and we might get a thing of jam. And he says, we'd be dunking the bread into the jam (laughs) in the truck Mm -hmm. and eating it. And we might get to another house and somebody would have coffee on and say, would you like a cup of coffee? And they'd take the coffee. Just friendlier times. Yeah, very much. And he said, you know, Karen... Dad and I got to know every single person in our community. Mm. And it came to pass that at other times then during the year, people would ring him up and say, you know, you're the guy that delivers the tree. You have a truck. Do you think you could help me get my mattress to my daughter's house? She's gotten married and needs a mattress or something. Can we get it over there? And he'd go, yeah, sure. Were you the lady that made the bread? (laughs) I'll take a loaf. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So the lesson that he learned in that, oh no, sorry. Now I'm going to go through the lessons. So this is what happened at the end of it. Okay. So we're going back to number one. Yeah. 
So now we're going to go through them quickly, okay? And I'm just going to pick up my book so that I can read them. Mm -hmm. So Marv said his was all about learning to listen and ask better questions. That's what made his Christmas damn enjoyable. Eden said her Christmas was enjoyable because she learned to be encouraging and kind, but honest. Mm -hmm. Dean said he loved Christmas because he learned acts of service. And it went with him his whole life how important it was versus not being a people pleaser. Jamal said that he loved that books taught him about connecting to people. And that you just have to find a way to connect. And it can just be something simple, something that you already love. You don't have to go find it. Find it. Mm -hmm. Wife stopped writing them. Shit. Okay, help me. Max. This was the story about where she got the horse, Kelly. Mm -hmm. And the worth of the exchange. Yes. But also how her mother created a business for another woman. Yes. How can we word that? There's so much in that one. Oh my God, kindness. Kindness? Let's go with that. I think, and and, I mean, acts of service are certainly in there, but she saw a need. Mm -hmm. And just out of kindness, on her way home, brought these things into the city to create profit for her. Yeah, and she didn't look at what she got out of it. She wasn't looking for her 10%. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of some people today, how if they're going to help you with your business. I remember someone doing this to you who said, oh, I'll promote your business for you. Mm -hmm. And if I do, could I, uh, I'd like 10% of what you make. In a session. In a session, every session, for every referral, just to to say your name or to actually Mm -hmm. tell people about what you did. Instead of doing it out of kindness, Mm -hmm. he wanted a piece of your pocket, Mm -hmm. of your money, of your income. Yeah. Okay. Everett. Oh, Everett was the, oh, this this was the young boy who learned about different types I'll say of love, healthy and unhealthy, mm-hmm. and and of of um, of knowing and holding in his heart the healthy love, even though he was given an unhealthy habit, addiction, forced upon him, that he held on to what love was, a, a healthy form of it. And Sam, oh, I wrote his down. He said he created a habit of giving and not expecting to receive all the time. And I, I really, I like that one. Mm-hmm. And I liked, I like that that's the last one. And I think what I'd like to say to people listening and watching today, if you're watching us or just listening on either form of media, um, which one did you like? Which one, like, you know, mm-hmm. if people can sit there and chat about it together, if you're listening with a friend or you share it with a group of people, Say you're baking or doing something together. Which one inspires you? Which one would you like to? Yeah, I think you could ask too, like which one do you do easily? Or which one do you need more of in your life? Or which one are others trying to do for you that you might be refusing? Mm. Wow. Right? Because just like Max's story, if they're given the opportunity to receive something beautiful but they can't see their own worth, 
yeah. in deserving it yeah. or not deserving it, but seeing the excitement of someone who just wants to give for someone like Sam, the sake of not receiving anything in return, then you may be robbing someone of the joy of just giving hmm. because you think or expect that you should give back equally. Yep. Whatever that means. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I hope people love This was better than a Christmas carol. Oh, yeah? And, and, and I like it because it's, it was all the spirits who just wanted to hang out with me on a Sunday because, because they wanted their Christmas stories shared. Mm-hmm. What a, yeah, what a very, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's not unique because this is what they do constantly to mm-hmm. me. But the idea of sharing their Christmas stories was unique for me mm-hmm. as a medium. Well, I think it was also very neat because most of most of the content that you generate for our podcasts come from actual sessions that have oh, happened. Yeah. Yeah. And here the guides are saying, you know, while she's just working away on a Sunday cleaning her human house, <laughs> let's just give her some content. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved every minute. And this, if you know, people are listening to it. This went on for the whole day, mm-hmm. start to finish, like from morning right through to my when I went to bed. And I remember doing my yoga before I went to bed in the evening. We were playing Scrabble. Mm-hmm. And then you went up to have your bath, and I said, I'm going to go stretch. And the two words we laid down, which I've already put on Instagram, was death taught. Oh, yeah. Oh, people should go look at that. Yeah. Okay. This is how early we're recording. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, Very that's cool. really cool, Kelly. Thanks for sharing and, and working all day on Sunday. Oh, that was totally my pleasure. I mean, I get to hang around all these dead people. How, it doesn't get any better than this. And I mean, humans might think, yes, it does. What about us? My point. There was a dog. <laughs> there were horses. <laughs> there was bread and coffee. Cool. And, and, and I want people to know, because we use all of the senses, that I can smell the coffee. like that, that Taste the jam. Taste the jam. T- taste the bread. Smell like, the trees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, that all of the senses are being used when all of these gifts are coming in for us. So what a beautiful day it is to be alone as a human, to be with the spirit world. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay, so if you're listening just by audio today, thank you so much for your interest. If you're watching on Patreon, thank you so much for your financial support. We very yeah. much appreciate that. Um, more patrons this month, which yes. has been super exciting. Thank you. Um, and and yes, there's a financial help in there, but there's also just excitement to be able to create for more people. That's right. Um, and the people who are with us on Patreon, you've been submitting ideas. You've been telling us what you want to hear, and that helps yeah. us. So thank you. Yeah. Um, and those listening just by audio, Submit as well. We want yes. all of your feedback too. That's right. Um, so as always, if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a beautiful weekend.